0: Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining my brother and I for what is going to be a great, great podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, and I am the author of a series of books entitled Bigfoot, Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon, volumes one through eight to be exact. And if you're into the audio scene, listening, that is, you can get volumes one through six at audible itunes and amazon so please partake of all of these wondrous creations and now let me welcome in my brother kj sheehan kev how are you today i'm doing great and
1: yes please partake yeah
0: <laughs> you know kev I, i'm always bragging on our audience our listeners and i had a great conversation with a fella today uh Some people are a little paranoid I'm going to use their name, uh, but I'm not. uh, But he's a military guy. He's in the uh, Honor Guard, uh, which is a really great work. He covers about seven states. Wow. And uh, they go around, and uh, when there's a death of a veteran, they do uh, funeral services, the flag-folding ceremony uh, at the gravesite. You know that whole thing.
1: Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for your
0: service. Yeah, I told him that and all you other vets out there. God bless you all. And uh, this fellow lived uh, and responded to, he's a new listener. He responded to our show about Momo. Mm. And it turns out that uh, he lives right in that zone over there. And not only himself, but his family... Uh, like grandpa, dad, you know, stuff like that, uh, all had experiences with this creature.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think I uh, pulled his email out to cover in uh, listener mail tonight, too. So that's cool.
0: Good. Yeah, so we'll do both. I know I I pulled out a Momo mail. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's him. Yeah, okay, cool. And uh, one of the cool things is, uh, number one, not just the person that this guy is. where I say to myself, and a lot of people must say to themselves, why would a guy like this uh, be BSing about this story? Obviously, his heart is in the right place, uh, doing what he does. And uh, so anyways, one of the elements in uh, a sighting or an encounter, you might say, that he had was the finding of a calf's leg. Mm. That's the hind leg of a baby cow. Mm. He found this leg and went around to the neighboring uh, farmers or property owners, which are very sparse. He lives in a place that he called a city, but he said, you know, I don't think anybody would really call this a city. There's only like 45 residents. Oh, yeah. That's not a city, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> I told him it's more <laughs> like a community. Maybe, yeah. A and, small uh, village. A village. And uh, he went around to those properties in the area that he knew had uh, cows. Nobody was missing a calf. Mm. So I said to him, and he made the point, which is true, a cougar... Uh, or let's just say what else, a coyote, Mm -hmm. uh, is not going to carry a calf or a calf's leg for miles from where it was downed. Would you agree with me on that? Sure. So where did this calf's leg come from? Mm -hmm. You know, his thinking was that the Momo or the, uh, the Bigfoot must have had this thing from somewhere miles away And uh, brought it to the area. Uh, Perhaps after that point, something else got the leg and and brought it over there. But uh, it's a real odd thing, you know? Mm. What do you think of that, Kev?
1: Yeah, it's pretty strange. And uh, Momo, of course, the shorthand for the Missouri monster, one of our favorite cryptids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, you know... It's just interesting, Kev. You know, uh, when I talk to these people, there's a continuity uh, between information given. Uh, yeah. In the one encounter that he had, uh, the dog, his dog, was once again the first to bring his attention to the creature. Yeah, the, because the
1: wildlife, whatever kind, you know, and I don't mean they have to be wild, can be domesticated. But the animals... They tend to, you know, we hear that often, that they sense it before we do.
0: Yeah, he pointed out that the dog's hackles went up on his back, mm. and he let out a little like a oh. like that. Not a bark oh, yeah. or a growl, but that little gruff kind of mm. grunt, you know? Martha does that all the time, usually when it's time to eat, though. <laughs> when there's a calf's leg in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> or she she's frustrated because she can't open the pantry remember no thumbs on the Labrador no thumbs no opposing (laughs)
0: digits on the Labrador no
1: I mean she'd be really dangerous if she had thumbs
0: (laughs) did you imagine Labradors with thumbs
1: (laughs) by the way quick Uh, Martha story did I tell you about her getting her head stuck in the dining room chair uh, no go ahead Oh, this is unbelievable So I'm working from home about a week ago, and uh, I'm on the phone with my boss of all folks. Uh, Fortunately, he's understanding. And I hear this like howling screeching like I've never heard before. And I'm like, I gotta go. And I drop off the Zoom. I run out of my home office, and Martha's laying on the floor rolling around with one of the pretty uh, dining room chairs
0: on her head. Oh, my God. She's on the floor with this thing?
1: On the floor. So somehow, and we can't figure out how or why, and if you saw the back of, uh, you know, this nice kind of mahogany-type chair, you would never guess a Labrador could fit her head in it. And it's in the dining room, so there's no food in there or anything. It's not like it. I mean, there's food in there on Thanksgiving, but it's not Thanksgiving, you know. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh... She, I think she's going to like break her neck so you know the family and I come running from around the house we're holding her down she's like okay that we're there and I'm like what the heck and I'm trying to push her head back through this tiny opening in the back of the chair and I end up uh, having to go out to the garage to get like a saw and I'm like well I can't use a saw that'll scare the bejesus out of her you know So, I get those big, like, uh, lopping shears, like you trim a branch off of a big tree with. Right. And I end up cutting into this mahogany chair. Wow. Yeah.
0: You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking she started to, like, stick her nuzzle in there and was scratching herself. I got a little carried away.
1: (laughs) I don't know what the deal was, but it could also be aliens. We're having a full investigation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, had, what do we she's got a today? She's you know,
1: lab. She... You know, it's not like her to do this mischievous stuff. I mean, unless uh, there's a burger involved.
0: Yeah, right. Well, she <laughs> wouldn't be much good against a burglar once she was on the floor with the chair on her head. No,
1: door. no, no. no. <laughs> so now I have, like, a repair to work on.
0: Wow, good luck with that repair. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: After you hit it with the lopping shears. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get down to business. What do you got, Kev, for cryptids yeah. in the news?
1: Yeah, and cryptids and other oddities this week, Bill. We're going to talk about cattle mutilations.
0: Oh, uh, what a lovely topic. <laughs> nice topic. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about calves' legs. Exactly. Different kind wow. of
1: mutilation. Yeah, yep. So we haven't talked about this before. You know, other than... Uh, um, talking a little bit about our favorite ranch out in Nevada, where uh, they've had a little bit of that going on at times. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is pretty interesting. And I, was, I had it on my list of investigations to do, and cryptids in the news and other oddities. And then I was actually watching uh, Josh Gates' new show, expedition unknown and he had an episode on there on the eastern oregon cattle mutilations which have happened in the last year or
0: two i don't know if you saw that show or if you heard about it i didn't you know and i generally like to watch his shows but uh i thought he was doing like all reruns he's got some new i think episodes it was a new there?
1: show but you know me bill i'm not I'm not up to date on the First Run episodes. Sometimes I see something that's a year old, and I think it's the first time it's ever been played. (laughs) But uh, it was a pretty good show. And uh, they went out there, Eastern Oregon, which, uh, you know, I used to live in Eastern Washington, as you know, and it's really rural out there. A lot of cattle ranches in Eastern Oregon. And they had a lot of these mutilations come up, cattle mutilations. And it was kind of cool. He had some Guests on his show that went out there and like one, you know, this woman who was like a believer, and then this guy who was like a skeptic, you know, which is a good balance, right? Yeah, and they're yeah. going out talking to the ranchers and stuff like that. But I think the coolest thing they did was the guy who was doing the investigation. I don't know his name, sorry, buddy, um, but <laughs> he um, he was very much uh, a scientist. And what they did at one point was they got a bull that had died recently on a neighboring ranch of natural causes, and they put it out uh, in the land and put cameras on it so that they could see what would really happen due to the various predators, you know, vultures, flies, whatever, right? Right. What kind of damage they would do. Yeah, what kind of damage. And the interesting thing, and just the bloating of the decomposing animal, uh, some people believe, you know, like that leads to the surgical incisions and stuff like that. But what was really interesting was that wasn't the case at all. Like none of the... I mean, they did see, like, a ridiculous amount of flies and stuff like that. Absolutely disgusting, but mm-hmm. not surprising. Right. Um, and they did do damage, but it didn't look like the uh, types of damage that you see when people talk about this cattle, cattle mutilation phenomena. Right. You know, which, which usually includes, you know, a healthy animal— Not like an elderly animal, you know, healthy animal. Um, Mm -hmm. No bite marks, no frothing, no sign of struggle, no blood, and like this surgical uh, precision of cutting. And usually, like they're missing their ears, eyeball, uh, the flesh around their jaw, their tongue, Mm -hmm. their lymph nodes, and their genitals are usually surgically removed yeah and which is odd you know and and nobody would
0: just remove that for food
1: no no no. you know you go for the meat exactly exactly and then you know the and then also very importantly there's like no tracks around the animals either like no footprints no paw prints nothing
0: yeah it's a very odd odd phenomenon and this has been going on for a long time and in a lot of places. Exactly. I mean, uh, a long time and
1: in a lot of places. And, yeah. And um, it's, you know, again, it's easy. Oh, and we don't know, right? Like when someone says, when you see one of these carcasses, it's very strange. Like if you can imagine looking at a cow that was dead and usually its hide is perfectly intact. Right. You know, so like no sign of any struggle or anything like that. And then, like, going up its uh, muzzle, whatever you'd call it on a cow, its snout, like the flesh is eaten away, like a third of the way up or halfway up, uh, almost down to the bone uh-huh. with like a line around where the hide is perfect, heading backwards towards the tail, like, which yeah. is really odd,
0: right? yeah it just it, it is real nothing decays or deteriorates that way no
1: no and and uh, you know an eye is missing and if you remember last season on Skinwalker Ranch you know which I was alluding to earlier um they brought on that woman who was an expert in cattle mutilisa- mutilation and she was saying that it's often the Eye that's looking towards the sky. You know, of course, her her theory was, you know, alien UFOs had something to do with it,
0: you know. Yeah, that's Linda Moulton Howe. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, she's been hunting down uh, cattle mutilations for, for as long as I've known her to be uh, available for exactly. interviews, which is probably decades.
1: Absolute expert on the, on the topic. The expert on the topic, I would say.
0: Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people talk about uh, it looks like they use lasers, but what about before there were surgical lasers? No, exactly.
1: Exactly. So speaking of before that, so um, one of the earliest documented outbreaks of these unexplained livestock deaths occurred in early 1606.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Outside
1: the city of London. And it's documented in the official records of the court of
0: James the First of England. Wow, that's incredible! Isn't that something? So, what are we talking? Like uh, four hundred years ago, right? Yep,
1: yep, more than four hundred years ago. And yep. uh, in this case, this particular uh, one, it had to do with sheep, and there were, you know, more than a hundred or hundreds uh, in various locations. Um, where nothing was taken from the sheep except some of their inward parts. You know, that's what they say in Old English, like their internal organs.
0: And no blood or anything like that. So very strange. Can you imagine what they felt? It's weird enough for us. Right. Can you imagine what those folks, with what they had available to them uh, at the time, (laughs) knowledge-wise and surgically and – they must have just been dumbfounded. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Sheep. Yep. Yeah. And then we see them coming back into modern days, you know, back in the 70s. There was were a lot of accounts in New Mexico uh, in June 1976. Uh, in June 1976, In a place called Rio Arriba County in New Mexico, they also saw a trail of suction cup-like impressions that was found leading from the body of a mutilated three-year-old cow. Suction cup-like impressions? Yeah. They say the indentations were in a tripod form, four inches in diameter, 28 inches apart and disappeared 500 feet away from the dead cow. Yeah, and they wow. said they saw similar incidents and observed similar measurements in the same area it, two years later in 1978.
0: Wow, that is freaky-deaky, man. Very freaky-deaky. Yeah, so, you know, something something's feet had those for uh, a sole or toes or whatever you want to call it, something was moving or walking or hopping out there with what appeared to be suction cups uh, for uh, mobility. Probably not a hairy man
1: and definitely not a bear. And it wasn't Martha? (laughs) It wasn't Martha either.
0: No thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can't do much without thumbs <laughs> oh my god wow that is freaking bizarre man bizarro right and, you know, uh, and a, a lot of people have said that they thought like the uh, uh, you know more skeptics than believers in the, the paranormal or something other than human but a lot of people have thought that the military might be experimenting but what a stupid idea If the military wanted to investigate cows, they would just buy cows and do whatever they wanted to do in a lab setting. Yeah, there's
1: three mainstream theories as to what's going on here. So one is uh, UFOs and kind of aliens, you know, doing something with this cow tissue and stuff like that. And that's what we saw on Skinwalker Ranch, right? You know, something going on. Um, The other one is, like you're talking about, the government. And and one of the theories through time, modern-day time, is related to mad cow disease. So kind of coming in and, like, you know, grabbing tissue samples from these cows in the dark of night and stuff like that so that they can kind of see what's really going on with cows before we would have some type of mad cow outbreak. Now, you know, myself, I'm kind of like, really? Like, you got to really believe our government is super organized if they can pull that off. Like, you know, not likely, right, that the Department of Agriculture has, like, stealth helicopters coming in in the night in ranches and doing the surgical removal of organs and stuff, you know. Geez, mm-hmm. if you think they can do that, go try to get a passport one of these days. <laughs> 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 you know, no dig on the military like what we were talking about earlier, but this isn't a military operation. This is like the Department of Agriculture or CDC. You know, come on. Really? That would be one conspiracy theory if they could pull that off. And then the last one, one of your favorites, Bill, is some type of uh, cult activity,
0: yeah, which well.
1: certainly could be. You know, there's a lot of evil people out there that – could go and, you know, drain the blood of these animals, you know, take some organs, take the genitals, and use it for some type of sacrifice, you know?
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, I whenever I'm involved in any cult activity, the first thing I do is get dropped in <laughs> to an area at least 500 feet away from the victim. <laughs> uh, then I take my suction cup, Sneakers <laughs> out of my backpack and apply them to my feet so I could sneak up stealthily on the cow uh, that just happens to be out in the middle of a, a, a cactus farm. <laughs> <laughs> and I surgically remove uh, all the body parts I need, and then I return back where the mothership comes down and picks me up. Yeah. that's. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I do it.
1: Well, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right.
0: (laughs) Do it right.
1: (laughs) Don't forget the stealth chopper, too.
0: Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm down on the cult activity, but uh, that is just like, you know, ridiculous. And it's just such
1: a large number of animals, too, you know. like
0: Yeah, yeah. And it all began in 1606 with the sheep. (laughs) <laughs> they've ca- well, carried well know forward. there have
1: been these cult activity around for a long time in fairness you know
0: oh yeah no there's definitely yeah uh, i'm not saying they're not uh nefarious individuals yeah uh but uh this is this is uh, a horse of a different color this is really something uh that bears uh a greater amount of research and see that's part of the the frustration when we're talking about, uh, I don't care if it's Bigfoot, uh, mutilation, uh, you know, you wonder why the powers that be don't put more effort into getting to the bottom of some of this.
1: You you know, but feel I, like- I mean, I will say there's a lot of investigations that I read about by both the FBI uh-huh. um, and the ATF. Right. Um that that investigated a lot of these things. Now they didn't find anything. You know, uh, if folks want to read about it, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but some of the FBI investigations at least in the things I read about, the gentleman who was leading the investigation, he never actually like got out of the car and looked at the animals. You know, it's at least how it's reported. Right. I don't know if that's true or not, but
0: well, it's not a full-blown investigation. No. No. no.
1: And certainly you know, not a public investigation, you
0: know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you or I calling somebody up and saying I heard something in my yard. Yeah. Somebody shows up, looks around. Well, Mister Sheen, you know, if you see anything else, you know, give us a call. You know, it's, I'm, I'm talking about you know some resources being put into getting to the bottom of it, uh, which was really what they were trying to do and are trying to do at Skinwalker Ranch. Yep. Uh, They're trying to create a laboratory over there, uh, an open-air laboratory in an area where activity is known to go on. And they're doing their darndest to film it, uh, to experience it, to have boots on the ground, and see what's going on, you know, if it's possible.
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: so... And speaking of
1: Skinwalker Ranch, there are a lot of uh, uh, theories and a lot of evidence around the fact that folks will see these black helicopters, you know, quote unquote, uh, around these mutilation sites. But that could just be the government looking into what's going on, right, like they're supposed to. I I don't think it necessarily means the government is mutilating the cattle.
0: Yeah, now, you know, but I don't know Kev, there's strange goings on out there. Oh yeah. There's stuff going on out there that you you know, nobody talks about. No, you'll never know about. Oh, no doubt uh, about it. Insider stuff, you know. I mean, there's there are things going on that the public and you know, I think they they relish the fact that the majority of the public thinks it's all nonsense. Right. So, you know, <laughs> Why not? Hey, just keep believing that. We're happy that you believe that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so who knows? Who knows? It could be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, And uh, it could be two or three different things going on there. But it's all weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm totally, totally with you. I mean, in one of the most recent stories uh, in the end of October 2019, so less than a year ago, or I guess a little more than a year ago. Sorry, I'm losing track of time in uh-huh. the COVID year of 2020. Um, it's interesting when they talk to the ranchers and we're talking about Eastern Oregon here, where these have been the most recent uh, rash of cattle mutiliza- mutilations um, the, the, you know, the ranchers are like, Hey, wait a minute. Like this isn't uh, insects and stuff like that. These are like my most healthy, you know, young, Uh, bulls that are turning up dead. Like, you know, they're not the ones that are due to die of some kind of natural causes. And, like, they're all dying like on the same night, by the way.
0: And not to mention extremely valuable to them.
1: Well, exactly. That That is absolutely true. But that's another theory. You know, maybe someone's trying to cause damage to these ranches. Like, they say that the animals here in eastern oregon are worth about six thousand dollars each and that some of these are breeding bulls so they're worth hundreds of thousands of dollars you know if you think of their stud fees as well um but you know the even the ranchers are like i don't think that's it these are pretty rural places like there's not a lot of people around like and and how would you even know that you're causing us financial damage by Seeking out, you know, six bulls in the middle of the night and killing them with surgical precision, not leaving tracks and not having any blood around.
0: Right. Yeah, if you just want forever. to cause
1: financial damage, it'd be a lot easier to shoot them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, it is. It's it's just yeah. crazy, you know. Yeah. But that's how the mind works. Right. You don't know what to make of it. You just start spinning your wheels and running all these hypotheses through your mind what if what if
1: yep it's
0: a bizarre situation you know
1: yeah yep, yep.
0: <sighs> wow
1: so it's pretty cool i mean this is uh, we could do probably five shows on cattle mutil- mutilations but you can see also by just doing this one show i can't say mutilations correctly the first time <laughs> i don't know why but it's a tricky word for me but we could do a couple of shows on this topic and i would just say to our listeners you know if you know anything about it you're out there in some of these regions where you've experienced it maybe you're a rancher and you're listening to the podcast boy would we love to hear from you
0: yeah no doubt about hand account yep boots on the ground yep that's incredible, Kev.
1: Yeah, it's cool stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I have something really interesting here today. I think you'll find this especially interesting, Kev, because it comes from your home turf. Whoa! So Let when me people close the say where first, well, you know, <laughs> when when people say where's Bigfoot, is he around here? Well, yes, he is. He's not and in my dining
1: uh, room breaking another chair, is he? Because <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving is this week.
0: Yeah, his head stuck between two rungs I need these on your mother's. Okay, we don't have that many <laughs> chairs. <laughs> this account uh was told to me by a guy named Jeremy Stone, uh who's a resident of North Carolina. And this is what Jeremy and his hunting partner Paul came upon in the woods outside of Ernoul, North Carolina. You know where that is, Kev?
1: No idea. Er,
0: Ernul, E-R-N-U-L. I got to look that up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, you know, anything about the state or where Ernul is, uh, large or small. Yep. But this is kind of really weird. Uh, but let me get into it here and uh, give every let everybody have a chance to uh, hear what he had to say. So in 1994... Paul and I had ventured into the woods outside of Ernul to do some small game hunting. At the time, this was one of our favorite hunting grounds. The forest in this part of Craven County is comprised of a wide variety of habitat, including trees, streams, and a ridiculous amount of bramble and thicket. There also are a lot of thick, thorny vines growing up from the forest floor into the trees, a fact which will come into play shortly. So there's another clue for you, Kev. Craven County. Oh, yeah. I'm ready. So the two of us were well into the woods with our shotguns, looking for damn near anything we could pop along the way. As we crossed a shallow stream to continue our way deeper into the trees... The trees next to the stream were much denser and overgrown, as is typically the case when you get near water. Paul and I were forcing our way through this tightly packed bramble when we heard something thrashing about up in the canopy just ahead of us. I had stopped first, then Paul, as we both tried to get a better view of the treetops in the hope of seeing what was making the commotion. I had just looked under a tree limb bending down in somewhat of a crunched position as Paul tapped me on the shoulder while pointing up to his right-hand side. It was then that I saw a small gorilla-like creature swinging and jumping from branch to branch in the top of this particular tree. I don't use the term monkey because this little critter had a much more substantial and elongated body. Its covering appeared to be more like hair than fur, and nowhere near as dense as that of a monkey, and its arms were very long and stout for a small creature. I would say that it was perhaps three feet tall at best, and even at that, its musculature was that of a gymnast being very lean and well-formed. The two of us had quietly crawled into position and hunched down using the tree limb as cover. The branch was directly above our heads and we hid beneath it, watching this little gorilla leaping around the top of the tree. This went on for several minutes with neither of us saying a word when suddenly the little gorilla stopped and looked into the woods away from us, staying very still within the branches. It was then that we heard some crunching coming towards our position from the direction which this little gorilla was looking as a patch of bramble parted and from it emerged a huge Bigfoot. Although we were hidden from the critter above us, we were in direct, unobstructed view of what we knew was Mama or Papa Bigfoot. This monster, upon making its way through this wall of thicket, stopped in its tracks, made immediate, me, immediate eye contact with us, and started to stare us down. The creature was curling its lips in a most unusual way and started to rock its body while moving its fingers around in a way which I really can't describe in words. The two of us, both having loaded shotguns, were ready to shoot should anything happen. But right as I was thinking that thought, this little critter, which we now knew was Bigfoot Jr., came descending down out of the tree on one of the thick, thorn-covered vines in a matter of seconds. It had done so with such agility and speed that I wondered how it could do so without being torn apart by the thorns. It ran across the ground, took a leap into the air, and positioned itself on the parent's shoulder as the adult turned and walked out of our view back through the thicket which it had come through. I looked at Paul and said to him, Can you believe what we just saw? He just shook his head. We stood to our feet and eased on out of there. I'm here to tell you that nothing can prepare you for what we had experienced that afternoon, and yet it happened right before our own eyes. We were very lucky that day that the adult hadn't charged us. Perhaps it would have if the youngster had remained in the top of the tree. I believe that our saving grace was when the juvenile descended quickly, running over to the adult, at which time it wouldn't attack us with the young one in tow. The juvenile was an identical creature to the large one, only miniature. The adult's body was very burly and cylindrical in shape from the knees upward, being about three feet wide, heavily muscled, and its face was devoid of dense hair. But there was some coming in from the sides of the face, forming somewhat of a scraggly beard on its chin. Only once in all of my years hunting in these woods had I seen a black bear. And other than that, the woods were teeming with small critters of a variety of sorts. But a Bigfoot? Never in my wildest dreams had I ever thought I would see one, and especially in the Craven County backwoods. If you or I had pushed through this bramble the way in which the adult had, you would be covered in cuts and slashes from head to toe, requiring medical attention after having done so. But this creature had plowed through it like it was walking through a swinging door. And that's no lie. What this creature's skin is made out of is anyone's guess. But it has to be something like the hide of a rhino to do what it had done. And when the little one had come down the vine in a matter of seconds... These vines are literally covered with thick nail-like thorns that could penetrate your entire hand. And yet this little critter had come down hand over hand with seemingly total disregard for injury by the thorns and at a speed in which there was or could be little or no consideration given as to where its hand was being placed next. It was that quick. It was absolutely the most bizarre thing that I could have imagined seeing in my entire life. And yet it happened to Paul and me that day in the woods. What do you think of that, Kev? Whoa. So when you
1: said Craven County, that rung a bell to me. Or North Carolina, did not ring a bell, though. So I'm sorry, those of you in Newell. I looked it up, though. It's like a thousand people there. So it's not a major city by any standard, but Craven County is out where our sister used to live, Bill. Really? So, yeah, it's pretty rural out there. It's right on the, where the Noose River, which uh, I spent a lot of time running and biking along the Noose River up off of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and the Noose River opens up down there in our Newell and Craven County and goes out into the Pimlico Sound. There's a uh, lot of woods over there. A lot of woods. And it's kind of surprising where he said he's only seen a black bear once because they have a lot of black bear out there, but they are pretty stealthy, you know, because the brush is like he talks about. You know, Bill, it's kind of like um, out by you. um, What do they call that, the watershed up there on Long Island? The Pine Barrens. Pine Barrens. And you know how they have those, like, scrub oaks that are like six feet tall and you can't walk through them yeah yeah similar type i don't know if they're oaks or not but you can't walk through there you know i mean it's yeah, no. not to mention the fact that you probably get bitten by a couple of good snakes along the way
0: yeah um, i mean and look you know we always uh, even hunters avid hunters always talk about how difficult it is to actually see a bear oh yeah uh, but i
1: mean out there too out towards the coast There's a lot of bear out there, but it's really hard to see them unless they're crossing a road or something like that. Because once they get, like, literally, like, eight or ten feet into the brush, you can't see them anymore.
0: Yeah, they're gone. They're gone. It's like the disappearing act, you know, the magician.
1: Houdini the bear.
0: This is really bizarre, though. Here we have an encounter of a juvenile being seen flipping around up in the tree. It's super rural
1: out there, though, so anything's possible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, here they're out uh, small game hunting, snooping around, beating the bushes, and then this transpires, you know. But, you know, it also shows you, Kev, that anything could get the jump on you at any point in time in the right location. No doubt about it. Uh, Like you just said, a black bear can ditch it eight feet into the woods. You'd never know the black bear was there. No. And uh, so, once again... Uh, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Yeah,
1: most of the time when people see a bear in those kind of settings where it's flat and heavy brush, they'll see a a black bear up in a tree, like usually a cub that's, you know, treed either by the mama uh, or by fear up into the Uh tree, and you'll see that looking up at it. But you can't see the other mama bear down on the ground level, even if you're up close to it.
0: You yeah, know, you that's better how a lot of getting people up, get hurt. Yeah, you better start getting the heck out of there at you that no point. You no doubt
1: about it. You don't want to get closer for a photo opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It may be a different yeah. kind of opportunity. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know, interesting, though, how the two animals, the two species, uh, seem to have the same thing with the juveniles up in the trees. Yeah. Well, it's safety. Yeah. Safety. Yeah. I mean
1: when yeah. I was when I was up in Alaska this past summer, not this most recent COVID 2020 summer of hell, but the prior summer, um, you know, we were looking at the uh, brown bears, the you know, otherwise known as grizzlies up there in Alaska, and the guide we were with, like we'd see a mama with a couple of cubs and sh- and then uh, the other males who would be coming down the river catching salmon. And she would hustle out of there and put the kids up in the tree. And the guide called it uh, uh, brown bear daycare. <laughs> like he's like the mama watch. He's like the mama will shoo them up into a tree, and then she'll go out fishing because she can defend herself against the male brown bear. Okay. Um, and the male brown bear won't mess with her, but the male brown bear will come after her cubs and kind of divide her between one cub and the other. And then kill the cub, even though it's their own, you know, flesh and blood.
0: That's amazing. You know how that works.
1: But she would put them up in the tree. And sure enough, you know, you'd see them, you know, we'd be watching them from up above, you know, a little bit of elevation uh, with scopes and that looking through them, you know, wildlife scopes. And uh, you'd see all of a sudden one pop up in the tree. And, you know, the guide was like, yeah, that's daycare for the cub.
0: Wow. Amazing. You know, it's just really uh, The animal kingdom is uh, remarkable. Absolutely cool stuff. Yeah. So how about this guy, though, saying, uh, you know, it bears uh, repeating. No pun intended. (laughs) What's that? Yeah. Yeah. He says how the little one, now also you have to consider that it's a juvenile. It hasn't been around that long. Right the ease with which it descended down this dangerous thorny vine. Yeah. Like it was didn't even consider that my next hand grab uh could put two of these through my, my palm, you know? Now everything we hear, they have to have like super thick
1: skin and I'm sure the hair is like, you know, double coat of hair and stuff like that to help That's protect. Just
0: very bizarre. You know? Super strange. I'll tell you something. When when people, uh, you know, we talk about the strength of gorillas, the strength of the chimpanzees. Uh, one of my coworkers pushed a YouTube video in front of me the other day. It was about 60 seconds long. Uh, you didn't know how it began or how it ended, but the video was of a massive bull attacking a a jeep wagoneer Mm. now there were people in the shot and there were people in the jeep wagoneer that was being attacked Mm. this bull with its head and its horns which were massive had its horn going in and out of the passenger front wheel well was lifting the front end. Now, we're talking the motor end of this vehicle with passengers in it, Hmm. was popping it off the ground, ripping the fender apart, puncturing the tire, fluids start to squirt out of the car. He was lifting it off the ground like you were popping a Spalding handball in the palm of your hand. Then when he was done... He backed away from the car and looked around with this, like, spread of horns on him. That must have been five, six feet wide. And he's looking around like, hey, you want a piece of this? (laughs) It was incredible, Kevin. Wow. Wow. He was was lifting, tossing this car up in the air like it was nothing, with just a little flip of his head and his neck. You got to send that video over. Yeah, I don't know how to get it. Maybe just look it up on YouTube. Uh, Bull attacking Jeep, Jeep wagon, something ear. like that. <laughs> Jeep wagon here, you know. Cool, unbelievable, very cool. So that's it, bro. What do we got for our? Yeah, uh, we got some mail?
1: good listener mail, and we're going to lead off with Momo. I'm going to be particularly careful careful with this gentleman's name, um, just based on what you said. So I'm going to call him WJ.
0: Yeah, i okay, good enough. <laughs> Yeah, and he
1: writes... So WJ. WJ, he writes, hello. I just recently discovered your show and enjoy it very much. Yesterday, I was listening to a show from 2019 where you were talking about Momo, the Missouri Bigfoot. I live Uh on a farm outside Louisiana, Missouri that at this point had six generations of my family on it. We have also had encounters with Momo, Going back to the late 70s up until recently, I myself in the early 90s came within 25 feet of her and made eye contact for what seemed like an eternity. And later alone and once with my wife had encounters up until about 2007. If you would have any interest, I'd love to talk to you and can give you contacts of a few others in the area have, who have had contacts and encounters as recently as a year ago. All I would ask is that my name be withheld due to my current job. Keep up the great work.
0: Yeah, awesome. You so know that's you have- who
1: you touched on, Bill, and super cool. And, yes, we did cover uh, – Momo. And it's funny, like when I forgot, like the city where a lot of the Momo encounters occurred until he mentioned it, because I don't know if you remember when I covered that, Bill, I had to look it up twice. Like, is there really a town called Louisiana in Missouri? And there is. (laughs) And this gentleman lives there as well.
0: You know, not to sidetrack, but isn't that funny, Kev, when you look at maps of other states? Oh, yeah. Like here on Long Island. I look at I look at other states, and there's Farmingdale, yeah. There's uh, Selden. No there's, Lake Ronconkoma though. No Lake Ronconkoma though. But I mean, <laughs> it's odd how the same names are bantered about throughout the states. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and a lot of them come over from Europe too. You know, from the old world coming to the
0: new world, right? Like, yeah. You don't think uh, aliens brought them to us? I mean, it could be. Might have something <laughs> Which, to do with Stonehenge. With, su- hey. with suction cup feet hey. carrying hey. baby bears around? I mean, it might. <laughs> By the way, did you hear I said <laughs>
1: mutilations correctly that time?
0: <laughs> yeah, but you said mutilations correctly, but you uh, mispronounced Missouri. <laughs> all right, so remember that it's Missouri. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. like, so, like
1: Clint Eastwood and Outlaw Josie Wales, how about a little Missouri
0: ferryboat ride? <laughs> you remember that one? How about this? <laughs> he was always clamming on something right before spitting tobacco the on the dog around.
1: that barks at him.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a great movie. You know the great, one of the greatest scenes. Uh, There's so many. Yeah. In the Outlaw Josie Wales, when he comes, those guys had just gotten done ravaging those poor people on the little stagecoach. Oh, yeah. Taking all their stuff, and they had them roped and making them walk in the heat. And all of a sudden, uh, Eastwood comes over the Dune with, like, a white flag on a stick.
1: <laughs> that wasn't a stick, though.
0: What was it, his rifle? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he's holding it, and they're looking at him coming like, who's this dude? Yeah. And when they face each other off, the one guy says to him, that's a mighty nice horse you got there, sir. And he doesn't say a thing, you know? Yeah. And then the Indian guy, who's a prisoner now, he says, spit. And then Clint goes, <laughs> and he smiles, you know, like he knows he always spits before the action begins, right? And then he just pulls the gun; he's just blowing people oh, away. Bu- like, well, I love that's it. Stuff, I, I'm then.
1: pretty sure, like the the surrender flag was actually like his <laughs> shotgun or whatever, you know. This he had that like. <laughs> Ancient sniper rifle or whatever it was with the scope on it, right? He lowers that and blows away two people at the same time. My favorite line from that movie, and then we'll get back to the mail, I promise. But it's yeah. one of my favorite yeah. movies where he meets the guy who's the bounty hunter, right? And yeah. he says, yeah. "Oh, you're G- you're a Josie Wales." He says uh, he says something like, "What are you?" And he's like a bounty hunter, and he's like, "Ah, oh, dying ain't no
0: way to make a living." <laughs> the best some of the best one-liners oh yeah uh were in those movies you yeah know? he's
1: like you gonna draw those pistols or are you gonna like whistle dixie with them <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you're,
1: you're hitting on one of my favorite movies of all time
0: yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> you just can't make I it i may up, have to man. watch it tonight yeah they were so <laughs> Again, classic you Yeah. Know?
1: All right, oh, what? well, our next uh, letter comes in from Norman, Oklahoma. So uh-huh. kind of Josie Wales territory from Beverly. And she writes, Dear Bill and Kevin, my husband and I love listening to your podcast. We both want to know, what is your favorite cryptid? And if it is Bigfoot, then what's your second favorite cryptid? Keep up the good work and be safe and go Sooners.
0: <laughs> well, Kim, I'm going to let you wrestle with that one. What's your favorite cryptid? Yowie! <laughs> yeah.
1: But I yeah, guess he is kind of a hairy man.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we'd have to say the Yowie is the Bigfoot. <laughs> but he does have the name Yowie, so we can Yowie! just call him Yowie. Yowie! How could he not be my favorite? <laughs> and, and what would the second be? That's a weird one.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the creepiest for me is Dog Man. Like, I I still can't get over, like, somebody looking out their window, you know, 14 feet off the ground, and seeing this thing with two pointy ears looking in at them.
0: Yeah, yeah, that freaks, that really freaks me and out. And I don't
1: man. mean favorite like I want to hang out with the Dog Man.
0: Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, one of my favorites also is the Ru. Ruga Ru. Yeah, and because I love the way my southern brothers say that down oh. there in Louisiana.
1: So funny you that say rule, that, Because our What's next that? letter is from somebody from New Orleans. No way. Way, yeah. Way, bro. Way. <laughs> <laughs> so our next letter is from Coach in New Orleans. Coach. All right. And he says, hi, boys from the bayou. No kidding, man. Any (laughs) sightings of our beloved Rougarou outside of the Cajun nation of Louisiana? Love you, boys.
0: Coach. (laughs) Short and to the point. Hey, you know, they don't have a lot of words down there, you know. Especially if
1: you're a coach. And he says coach, so I couldn't help but wonder. I mean, Bill, you know I'm a big college football fan and a big SEC football fan. So I was wondering, is this Ed Ogeron of LSU, the coach of LSU? (laughs) (laughs) Which, coach, if it's you, I mean, I got to tell you, I've been defending you. I was watching the game and the interview this past Saturday, and other people in my household were saying you should have subtitles whenever you speak.
0: <laughs> it's like, we did you did go Tigers. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. And that's that's one of the reasons why I like that rule. Exactly. You know, because I like the way they say it, you know. So, what do you think, Bill? Yeah,
1: any any sightings of Rougarou
0: outside of uh, Louisiana? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the place where it came from. You know, right. I mean, that. That's their verbiage, the French, you know? you know,
1: prior to coming over from France. Right. But but that's that's where he uh, ended up was the Cajun nation.
0: Yeah, it's it's just weird, you know, and I wonder if uh, they just used the term that they already knew.
1: I think uh, so. I think I mean, you, you know, know, come they think were of
0: labeling it, what they were seeing, you know, we're going to
1: sidetrack a little bit here, uh, you know, further than Josie Wales. But. Why don't we have a college football mascot like the Rougarou? That would be pretty cool.
0: Really cool. And also, how about a Bigfoot? Hey, why not? The Montana you know, Bigfoot. Could, something. Uh, I mean, I it would so. be a great costume. How about costume Canadian football, right? The uh, British Columbia know, some, Bigfoot. Some big goon, <laughs> goon could go around the uh, grandstands <laughs> exactly. uh, putting people in headlocks. Doing a squatch and putting
1: people in headlocks. I, I love it. <laughs> <that. laughs> awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness that's funny all right
1: well, our last letter bill comes in from kevin in new hampshire to live free uh-huh. or die state uh-huh. and kevin says new to the podcast but trying to catch up quickly and it's getting cold up here so i should have plenty of time to binge but don't you guys need a vacation or something And he says, but seriously, have either one of you seen one of these hairy men? If not, have you seen any dog men or other cryptids? Be safe and slow down so I can catch up. Kev.
0: (laughs) I love that stuff. No, uh, we haven't seen any of these uh, cryptids, uh, which really furthers the point that i made many times, I think the evidential threshold for its existence was was met and exceeded a long time ago. So based on what I've heard and seen and been told, I think this creature is legit. I think it's real. I think it's out there. And uh, whether or not I see one is inconsequential. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I mean,
1: I haven't seen one either. You know, like I always say, I do believe that there is room in our vast uh, world here, especially where a lot of the sightings are, you know, places like British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, you know, I mean, it's just so rural. There's plenty of room for an unknown species to be running around. And I think the only thing that, like, slows down the acceptance of it or the big thing that slows down the acceptance of it is, you know, a lot of the stupid hoaxers that are out there,
0: right? You know, right. we know about that. But that, you know, that's I all right. Th- I think some proper scientific investigation would put an end to the hoax. No doubt about I it. think. Yeah. The- I think the hoaxers are taking advantage of the lack of investigation going on. And uh, uh, I think that would put an end to all of that uh, baloney. Yeah.
1: Seems fair. Seems fair. But that's it this week, Bill, for the letters. Keep the letters coming, like we said, folks. And uh, also thank you for all of the fantastic reviews. Our uh, listenership is increasing every week, and we love that. And the five-star reviews. Keep coming in. So if you haven't left us a five-star review or if you haven't left us one in a couple of weeks, you know, open up your favorite podcast player now and give us a five-star review. Those five-star reviews are so important because they actually are the only thing that brings new listeners to this podcast. And as we get new listeners, we can continue to improve the quality of the podcast. So thank you very much. And be safe. And Thanksgiving's coming up. I think it will have been thanksgiving by the time you listen to this podcast but thank you very much and i hope you all had a safe and happy thanksgiving
0: yeah thanks very much folks and uh remember go out there and uh, purchase one of my books in ebook audible or uh, paperback format and uh, you would be doing me a great service and remember kevin if you find yourself walking around the White Mountains up in New Hampshire this weekend, where you say you live, remember, always carry more gun than you think you're gonna need. Sleep tight.